this is kind of like that moment where people were talking about streaming and like, oh, there's this new thing. Like you can go stream your music and everybody's just streaming on there. Like this is that before it's actually happening. Like this makes too much sense to not do. This is going to solve the monetization problem for the entire creative industry. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with the CEO and founder of Mari MC, Nathaniel Moore. And if you haven't uh, heard from him before, he is a music producer whose songs have gotten over 6 million hits. Now as an agency, he's worked with Warner, Universal, Capitol Records to help artists to grow their fan base, monetize their music. And so today, I'm really excited to dive into the main topic that I think is a huge question for all artists, which is how can I get my music heard? How can I build a sustainable business with my music? And specifically, uh, the first time that we talked, we were geeking out a little bit about NFTs and some new different kind of opportunities there. So I'm excited to, to explore that together. So Nathaniel, thanks for taking the time to be here today. Absolutely, Michael. I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to get these artists and musicians new ways, new innovative ways to start monetizing their career. Actually doing it and not having to like scramble around getting a consistent revenue for it. So I'm definitely excited to talk. Awesome. Yeah, man. I especially appreciate it too. You're like uh, Michael Jordan in his flu game. <laughs> he said that, that your daughter <laughs> you passed on a bit of a cold. So you're kind of fighting through that today. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, I, I sound nasally at all. That's, that's why, but we'll push through it. <laughs> you, you sound good. You sound good. Awesome, man. Well, I'd, I'd love to start off just by hearing a little bit about your story and how you get started building the agency. Yeah. So when I was first starting out, I was a music producer. So from the age of like 14, there was a kid in my neighborhood and he made beats. So I was like, that sounds fun. I didn't have any musical background at all, but sounded fun. So I decided to give it a try and then I would upload my songs to SoundClick. So for Sound those click. producers, wow. exactly. For the producers who know what that is, that was a big site in the late 2000s and early 2010s, and now has definitely fallen off. But people would come there to listen to music, listen to beats, try to buy them from producers, and I would start to sell my beats on there. So fast forward, go through college, I'm still making beats, I was selling them in college. Uh, and then as I graduate, I came to a point where... You know, I was working at like a state farm office and learning different things about marketing, but it was just time to dive in and start to look at doing it full time. So I was in Pittsburgh at that time. I went to school in Atlanta at Morehouse College and I moved back down to Atlanta and pretty much locked myself in a room for a year and said, I'm going to have to figure it out. So I was forming my own email list. And, you know, I'd, I'd taken a couple of courses about how to, you know, how to make your beat selling store, how to run an online business. And I learned more in those like two courses than I'd learned in like four years of college. Right. So after that, I just started to put together like my email list and my own website and people started asking me 
on the email list if I marketed, like if I did marketing for other people. And at the time I didn't, because I was still just trying to sell my beats, but like as more and more people kept asking, I opened up that service and then like that just took off. So, you know, a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, hung up my production hat and just focused fully on the marketing and like learning Facebook ads, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, Google ads, Microsoft ads, like any ad network. And then we started off with SEO. So getting really strong in that. So that's how we formed from me being 14 years old to, you know, now we have a few dozen employees and independent contractors combined. So yeah, that's, that is our story. That's awesome, man. It's definitely such an exciting time to, you know, be able to whatever you want to learn, you know, like on the internet to be willing to access these courses that are at a higher standard than most college programs at this point. It's just insane. So really cool. And I think it's a good like testament to the, just the entrepreneurial ability that we all have to be able to really to learn. And especially some of the things that you really decided to focus on, I feel like are such a high value tool to learn like advertising on all those platforms. It's just a really cool opportunity. So now, you know, having the experience of, you know, learning these tools yourselves and working with a lot of artists to be able to help them implement digital advertising and digital marketing to be able to grow their audience. Yeah, I'm sure that you start to see like a lot of patterns and see the same mistakes and same uh, challenges coming up over and over again. So I'd be curious to hear, what are some of the biggest um, challenges that you see artists struggling with when it comes to growing their fan base and monetizing their music? The biggest challenges we typically see is that people don't know exactly where to focus most of their attention and they don't know how to monetize. So most people don't have a website when they come to us. They have maybe a couple social media pages started and a lot of them are just looking to grow their Spotify numbers. And they think that the money that I pay for Spotify advertising will be paid back to me from royalties. What they don't realize is that turns you into a one trick pony and you're a single, you're a product, you're not a business because you just have a single stream of revenue. No sustainable, good business, virtually no sustainable, good business has one stream of revenue ever. Have to diversify your revenue, especially when it comes to this subject. So Spotify sets their payment rate. Apple Music sets their payment rate. Title sets it. It really doesn't matter if they double it or they triple it. That didn't solve your problem. All right. So the bigger problem that artists have is, okay, if Spotify is not going to pay me enough and people don't buy CDs anymore, you know, how can I monetize? Right. So that's where this whole new scope of I call it the stock market for artists, and that is combined with NFTs. And now artists can have their own cryptocurrency, which is what we're very big proponents. So the biggest problems is people don't know how to really purvey their message to an audience in the first place. So that's marketing in general. Uh, and I know there's a lot of different settings within Facebook and Google, and it can get confusing. But learning that first is one of the biggest problems. So where to spend and how to spend it. And then after that, it's how to monetize it from that spend. So having a built out product line, having 
cryptocurrency or NFTs or merch or songwriting services or, you know, beat packs and all that stuff. If you're not sending people to a sales funnel and collecting their email addresses and sending them to your website, mostly, most of that traffic you want to send to your website, uh, you are going to have problems really building a sustainable long-term business. You, you might maybe get lucky and go viral for one second and get a bunch of streams that way. But how many people have you seen just burn out like that? Like they were big for like a year or something and then they're gone, right? If they didn't build a sustainable backend system to capture the emails and follow up with people and have the retargeting ads and uh, a sustainable method to, to monetize going forward, it's just going to fizzle away. And the, all the years you spent working towards it, it's all going to be for naught if you can't sustain your audience. Mm. That's so good. Now there's like five different gold nuggets of wisdom that you just dropped there. So to, to, to circle back and reiterate, it sounds like what you're saying is that really one of the biggest mistakes is like focusing on maybe vanity metrics or just like wanting to get more streams and not realizing that more streams really isn't necessarily the answer when it comes to having like a sustainable business. And, and then another big one that stuck out was really, even if you get more streams, if you don't have a good foundation or a good system for, you know, capturing the contact info and the email addresses and having an actual sales funnel, then a lot of it's just wasted. You know, the analogy that, that comes to mind that, that we use a lot for this is like, what we call it like building a rain catcher where, you know, like, let's say one of the songs goes viral, like you were talking about, and it's kind of like there's a storm that passes and it's raining and it's like raining exposure. But if all you're doing is kind of holding out your hands, then most of the rain just goes into the ground. And, and so it sounds like what you're saying is like, it's really important to have that funnel, to have that rain catcher in place so that you can continue to build a relationship with those people. And you can actually monetize that as opposed to just like wasting the exposure. Yeah. So the vanity metrics, quote unquote, still play a part in it. Right. So if I, let's say I'm trying to sell my vinyl albums and I do have a good amount of streams on Spotify that will contribute towards people actually buying it, but that the thinking around it shifts, right? It's being used to sell higher margin items. So your followers on Instagram or your subscribers on YouTube or TikTok or whatever are used to aid in selling those other higher margin items. So are they vanity metrics? If you don't use them correctly, yes. If you do use them correctly, then they can contribute towards social proof and selling those other items. But yeah, you're right about the, you need to have the rain catcher, the, the moat around your house, right? You need to have something to protect you from all that aspen that's coming in. So in courses are great for that. Like learning YouTube videos is great for that. Courses are preferable because they like walk you through everything step-by-step. Step. But if the, the thing with trying to like listen to, even like listen to podcasts are great. They're just not going to be step-by-step for you. So if I'm like, let's say I'm learning something new in the fastest, if I want to learn it the fastest way, uh, a course is the, the fastest way to learn it because it's going to be step-by-step for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a good point, especially in today's day and age that there's like, there's a lot of information, right? There's so much information that like, we feel like so overwhelmed with it. And the thing that most of us are lacking isn't necessarily like more information, but it's more structured information that's more relevant. And if, if anything, we need less information, but like better information. So I 100% agree that courses are a really great opportunity to be able to take a more structured approach. So one thing that 
that you were just talking about that I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into because I know this is kind of like a new new territory that we're sort of like digging into right now. And also I think that there's sometimes like it's important to be like careful with like things that are like like trending or things that you know, are just kind of like a bubble that can pop. But at the same time, the, a lot of times those bubbles, there's like there's real substance to it and there's truth. And I feel like NFTs are, are one of those things right now that some musicians are having incredible success with. So I'd, so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about for anyone who's listening to this right now, who's maybe they've like heard the word NFT, but they don't really understand like what it is or how does the, what, how does it all work? Could you just explain what an NFT is? Yeah. An NFT is a non-fungible token. That's what the acronym stands for. And essentially it's uh, a stamp of ownership on a digital asset. So there's MP3s floating around or video files floating around. And if we wanted to track down the original, it may be, it's virtually impossible to do that at a certain point with some files. So that's why you've seen image sites like Shutterstock or, you know, one of them where you can buy somebody's images and the original owner on there says like, Hey, these are my images. You can buy it and license it if you want to use it. Would an NFT, how it improves upon that is that it now has this you know, stamp on it, this signature that says like, this is the original file and you can buy the original file and then structure those royalties, however you want, essentially. So if I want to have a, an offering for $25,000 to buy my non-fungible token, which could be like a movie file or a uh, music file, whatever, somebody can get those rights to that non-fungible token based on whatever auction price that's available. Now I can also set it up where I get royalties based off the resell of those. So if I sell it for 25,000 and somebody else sells it for 50,000, but I had a royalty of 0.5% for every sale going forward or something like that, I would then get paid based off of every sale after it. All right, so the bubble that happened with NFT it was a bubble because it was like a, a very new concept and it popped. So it doesn't mean that the technology is useless. It just meant like there was a lot of press around it and people started to just throw money in and didn't really know like the future use of this. Just like, like the when internet the internet bubble. was first. Yeah. Yep. And the dot-com bubble and what was it? 2000. So in case you're not familiar, dot-com bubble is just the internet was getting bigger and bigger. And anybody who was starting a business online, essentially, could just go raise a bunch of money. And venture capitalists, like the, they throw money at a lot of different companies in search of just finding one home run. Right? So the one home run can just cover all your losses, pretty much. Or like one or two pretty much like your 2% of that is going to cover all your losses. And what happens with it is people will throw money at something and then it pops. But then if it's a good idea, it still sustains afterward. So you're going to overpay at the beginning. Like there was the Beeple NFT that sold for like $69 million, which somebody right now definitely overpaid for it right now. <laughs> well, so um, what was that $69 million? What did they per like get with that purchase? It was like a collection. I think the artist, it was a, an artist, not a music artist, but they took a picture one day, I believe for 5,000 days. And 
that was like a art piece, right? Like a famous art piece. So they thought, and it was a billionaire, obviously like a crypto billionaire that would buy that. And they thought that this is like an iconic art piece, you know, uh, a Da Vinci piece or a Picasso piece, something like that, right? Which would go like a Picasso piece would go for millions of dollars today. So that was the thinking behind the purchase. Hmm. However, the real use that I see with this because nfts are they're nice but they're not the whole pie the whole pie to me is that artists get their own cryptocurrency all right so they have their own blockchain and within this chain you can then have other items within it right now the only one that's doing it well right now there's a couple out there actually there's really only two that i know about the one that's doing it well is called rally r-a-l-y It's traded on Coinbase. So they just got listed, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, just got listed on Coinbase. So this is very early for this. And the price honestly is not all that bad right now. So if you're listening to this, you just got an alley-oop, you can do what you want with it. But what happens with Rally is that artists or film studios or entertainers, influencers can get their own token and then people can buy and sell their token. Now you have a certain um, percentage of your token that you own and it vests over time, which means that you can't just like sell it off right after people buy in. You have to wait a certain period of time before you can sell off your shares, just like with a stock with whenever somebody IPOs, which means they have an initial public offering, the company that puts that out can't just sell it the first day of it, right? They can't just ruin their stock price. There's laws around that. There's flow controls around that. So you can't just ruin the price. But this is like a a golden moment for musicians and influencers because you don't have to rely anymore on Spotify telling you how much you're going to be paid. You can now market your own token to people could like, this is a new concept. So at the beginning, you're going to have to explain this to them. Like I'm explaining it now, but let's say that you own half of a token that is going up in value and all the people who own your token will stay in it because they see that it's going up in value. That's how you mimic the largest flow of wealth in the world, which is the stock market. There's more money going into the stock market, pretty much stock market and real estate, right? So there's follow the money, as they say, like, no, don't worship the money, but like, it makes too much sense to, to not have this system set up with artists and influencers. And before this wasn't possible because you'd have to like, an independent artist would have to like hire a bunch of accountants and lawyers and all that stuff and have their bookkeeping kept up with. And like, it would have just been a logistics nightmare before, but now you can have it on the blockchain and people can go see the transactions that is on your token and a company can set up your own token for you. So this skips like all this headache And you can just have your own token and market your own token. And way more people are going to buy into your token than say your Patreon account. Because with a Patreon, they're pretty much donating to you. Like you get exclusive content on Patreon, but it's really somebody who like wants to 
support you like they, these are avid fans because they can go get all the content they want for 10 bucks a month on netflix or, or hulu but with this one like let's say that they pay their 10 bucks or they probably wouldn't mind paying 100 bucks because they now have an asset like they get to buy and trade on your chain and the cool thing about rally is that when somebody sells on your chain they still have to pay you a fee so even if their asset goes up in value and they sell it because they realize that gain, they still pay you even when they sell it. So the system is set up very well. I had a very similar idea. This is how I stumbled upon it because I had a very similar idea that I was going to go do. Uh, and people can check out our podcast, No Nonsense Music Marketing, that I talked about this back in April. And I didn't find the rally till like probably last month honestly, but I've just been diving into it because like, this was my idea pretty much. And they, these are like the only guys who did it well. There's one other called Fayus and they had a coin launch with Lil Yachty, but there's, their system is not as solid as Rally's is. So Rally is, and I'm on like their discord server and all this stuff. Like I've studied this stuff, guys. I suggest you go do that too. This is kind of like that moment where people were talking about streaming and like, oh, there's this new thing. Like you can go stream your music and everybody's just streaming on there. Like this is that before it's actually happening. Like this makes too much sense to not do. This is going to solve the monetization problem for the entire creative industry. We just, they're, they're right now, they're rolling it out to like mid-size influencers, like small mid-size to fix any bugs, work out any kinks. But after they get their first few big ones on there, like this is just sky's the limit for this. And if you get in earlier, obviously like when you get in early on things, you benefit. If you're in early on Amazon, you benefit. If you're in early on Netflix, you benefit. Early on Apple, like go down the list. Early on Bitcoin, like these are 50,000% gains on some of these, like 200,000%, right? So very exciting times. It is a new concept. So there's stuff to get used to. There, there might be a couple people that fight it, but this, it just makes too much sense. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Holy cow, man. <laughs> it's really cool. So it sounds like 
really like the premise of this is that it's like a stock market for musicians and that you're going to be able to create your own currency and you know imagine having like a five percent share of the beatles like before they blew up yep. and then the beatles yep. get massive yep and then you actually have this stake in them and you could do whatever you want with that you could sell it or you could hold on to it just you know it's really cool and i think that what's really like fascinating about it too and relating it to the application of like of artwork you know like visual artwork compared to music you know music has never really gone for like millions of dollars right like for like a song for a piece of art but it, it is a piece of artwork but that's probably because it really hasn't like with, with art you can have the authentic source image right and yeah you can copy it you can duplicate it you can do whatever but like the original source of the the painting it's like this tangible physical thing and it goes for millions and millions of dollars so it sounds like this is really an opportunity to kind of put a stamp of authenticity on the artwork for musicians in a way that really like the value should be just as much as these iconic pieces of artwork for painters and for for visual artists it's really cool and so the tool is called Rally that you're mentioning right now. And, it, and basically, like, what does the process look like for getting started with it? How do you recommend? I feel like one of the biggest blocks for artists getting started with it is just going to be being able to communicate the value of it with their fans and kind of and just like understanding it as a whole. So what would your recommendations be for like, what's the process like for getting started with this and actually communicating it with someone who has an existing audience already? The first step is to build up your audience. So you're not going to, that's the first two steps. If you don't have a, a fan base existing, you're, you're not going to have interest in your collection in the first place, okay? So that's why I was talking about those vanity metrics before is that you can, you now have a much more fluid stepladder to go into monetization with this currency idea. So building up your fan base in the first place, you have to have demand. There's thousands of companies listed on the stock markets. Not all of them have the same demand. So you need to know how to bring demand to yourself. You need to know how to market yourself and get your numbers up on Spotify and Instagram and funnel them into your email list so that you can have this audience to communicate with effectively when your coin does launch or your new NFT does launch, you need to have somebody to sell it to. So that's the first step. Second step is going to use Rally, like go in and use it so that you know exactly how it works and you can explain it. The only reason I can explain it just off the top of my head, like no notes, no nothing is because I go and use it. You don't have to spend 5,000 bucks. I mean, if you have 5,000, I recommend you put in, you know, if you have it and don't never invest anything you're not willing to lose, but like, this is a, a great opportunity that I see. Go in and actually use the platform. Don't just buy it on Coinbase and just have it like sit in your account or whatever, or, you know, whatever exchange you're using. Rally is different than a lot of other cryptocurrencies in that you can, like when you buy it, you can actually use it. If you go buy Bitcoin right now, there's only so many places that you can go put it. With Rally, when you buy it, you can, it's called bridging in. You can bridge it in to the platform, to rally.io, and you can start using it by buying other people's coins so that you can see, okay, what exactly happens when I bought this coin? What other things do they have on this platform? Like you can go join the Discord server 
and look at like what they're developing, what new rules they put in place, like all the stuff you can go look at. That's the beautiful thing about cryptocurrency is that they just put everything out of and you, when you own that coin, you get to vote on different things. So the way it works is that if you like some of the changes that they want to do within a cryptocurrency, like let's say that you wanted, let's say they were starting everybody out with 50,000 of their own coin and you wanted that to go up to 100,000. If they put that out as a proposal to everybody who owns a coin, you can then vote yes or no, like you can pay some coin to vote yes or no on that change. So whenever you're like invested in this, you're really invested in it. You get to have a vote for new changes that come along. Another cool thing about Rally is that people, depending on how much your coin grows each week, everybody who holds that coin gets some weekly rewards. So if I hold 5% of somebody's coin and it's grown in a week, it'll show you like how many coins are going towards that person's chain but you get they're they're called dividends in the stock world you get weekly dividends just for holding that coin so there's so much to it go and use it so that you understand how everything works don't just see it as like oh this is a quick way to make some money like no go know what you're doing so that you can explain this to people and really you have to be able to explain it if you're doing like an ad within like 60 seconds to catch somebody's attention, at least be able to catch their attention within like five seconds so that you can explain it. But those are the two things I'd say to go do and like go do them for weeks and, and months, become an expert at it. So that whenever your coin does launch, you'll know exactly what to do. And like I said, this is something sustainable. This can be like, you don't have to go chase around for your next dollar. Like you'll know what to do and you'll know what's going on so that like you have your full-time music income along with all your other products and services. And like, this is a career now. This isn't something that when you tell your parents, I want to go be a musician, they don't gasp for air anymore. Like, it's like, oh, this is like, yeah, I want you to go be a musician because like, you know what you're doing with this. That's awesome, man. That sounds like a really cool opportunity. So just to understand like how Rally works and how it functions with like creating your own coin, it, it sounds like what you're saying is that Rally is sort of like an umbrella type of currency. And then when you sign up for it, you basically can create your own currency that really is like, is really like ultimately still Rally currency, but it's like you can create your own currency underneath the, the Rally signature. Yes. You have to get approved. So that's what I was saying. Like you have to have demand in order for them to put their resources into you. Not every single person who wants to come out with stock gets approved by the SEC in the US. So whenever you submit your application, like if you've been doing your, your due diligence and your marketing and building up your audience, like you should get approved faster than other people, right? And then after you get approved is when they'll say, okay, here's your schedule to, to come out with your own coin. That's how it works on Rally. But yes, Rally is the undergirding currency on the platform, whenever people buy in to somebody's chain, they're doing it with rally. So you can purchase, like you can still use debit and credit card on the site. It's just going to convert it to rally and then convert it to their chain. So every time they get a new influencer or new artist, and as they get these like micro influencers, they're called, which are just little smaller influencers as they keep building that up. And then as they move to bigger influencers, like all of that stays in the rally currency. 
So you can hold some of both. Like you can hold both individual artists' coin and you can have just some rally coin on the side. But yeah, all of them are traded on the rally currency. And then rally backs all the other individual creator currencies on the platform. It's so interesting. So let's say that someone is uh, listening or watching this right now and they're considering you know, creating their own currency and signing up for Rally. When do you think is the right time for them in terms of, like you mentioned, a mistake would be just like trying to get this launched without even having any sort of audience or any demand. When do you think is the proper time? Like how much demand or how much of an audience do they need to really have in order to really capitalize on, on the opportunity? Honestly, I've seen just varying amounts on there right now. So before they get bigger, it, you have a better chance right now, I'd say, even if you're not huge yet. So that, may, that might look like, I don't know, like 5,000 followers on Instagram or wherever, 10,000. There's some people on there with millions, but I have seen some like that are on the smaller side because they got in earlier. Another thing that would help if you're smaller would be that if you're involved in the community in the first place, like if you go and let's say you have a hundred bucks that you can spend on it. You still hold some rally coins, so you still have a say in some of these voting rights, and you have a say in the community. Like you can just go spend your hundred bucks on the platform, like just play around. Maybe you buy a couple different individual creator coins on there, but you'll like get more familiar with how it works. After you do that, and you are like involved in the Discord server, and you're you know commenting on Twitter, on you know Rally's Twitter, and all that, you are now top of mind whenever you submit your application to them. So you have a better chance of getting approved faster if you're involved in the community, if you don't have a lot of followers in the first place. If you do, then, you know, they'll likely put preference on you because it obviously benefits them. If you can communicate this message effectively, to other people. Rally, they've done some marketing, but like I said, it's purposefully, from my eyes, purposefully going a little slower so that they can like really work out any kinks and they virtually have no competition on this. They're the only one listed on Coinbase that's doing this right now. Like I said, Fius is the other one and their uh, market cap, which is essentially how many coins there are times the price of the coin, their market cap is like 10 X or five, like eight X to eight times bigger than five uses is so rally is much bigger and they're doing a better job on the platform. Like their platform is easier to use. So this is a decent time to hop in. If you're on the smaller side and you want to invest some time into not just building up your own coin, but building up the community. Awesome. Awesome. So it sounds like what you're saying is that yeah, ideally in order to really like capitalize and get the most out of it, it's even if you have a bit of a smaller audience right now, maybe like 5,000, 10,000 followers, you can still get it because it's relatively early. You can still get in with that. And even if you are on the smaller side, the first step really would just be to start interacting more with the community and, you know, joining rally, investing maybe a hundred dollars into it, which again, isn't it really like, it's not like you're spending a hundred dollars. It's like you're investing in an asset. Yeah. So potentially, you know, if rally increases by three times, then that hundred dollars becomes $300. That's um, exactly right. Awesome. 
Cool, man. So I think the last thing that would definitely be worth um, talking about, because all of the platform really relies on this, like you talked about, is you know building an audience, building demand, driving traffic. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the best strategies or tools that you're using right now that you've seen working when it comes to building like a real engaged audience, either through like Spotify streams or like building a real, like an email list or building just, you know, building a community. What are some of the best tools right now to be able to do that? Best tools. We usually recommend like a percentage, a different percentages of your marketing budget going towards different platforms. So never put all your eggs in one basket because Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, definitely Twitter can just yank your platform anytime they want. If you say something that they don't like, even if it's something totally legal or, you know, whatever, if they decide they don't like it, they can pull you off their platform. So always diversify your spend. And even sometimes when the, like you didn't say anything, there's just like these bugs and the algorithms on there. Like you can just get yanked for like a month and it's hard to get your stuff back. And we run ads for people who have had this happen before and it's just a pain sometimes like if that was your only traffic source you're screwed for the month right so diversify your spend with that said we see instagram and facebook ads still being really good for building up your email list sending traffic to your website so having ads that hook people in with the music send them to your website you can have an offer there some people do like free song downloads I typically like having a more juicy headline. Like let's say that you dove off the stage at a concert and you broke your arm, right? Watch me break my arm at this crazy concert. Enter your email here. There's just one idea for you. That's going to get more signups than just, hey, sign up for my newsletter. Like people so everyone here should go break their arms right immediately. <laughs> <laughs> There's just see this uptick of like, like every like broken arms around the country. That's the sacrifice you're willing to make. <laughs> go for it. But entice people, you know, get them excited to sign up for your email list. Not just, Hey, sign up. Nobody wants to just sign up. They want to be entertained. You're an entertainer. Go entertain them. That includes with your copywriting on your website. So the best way Send them in from Instagram and Facebook to your website, uh, sign up for your email list, send them to a, a squeeze page or a landing page, which is just a page to, to get their email out of them. That's, you spend a good 30% of your budget there, 25%, like somewhere in there, like a good percentage of it. The next thing you can do is YouTube promotion. So YouTube is actually more specific than Instagram and Facebook because you can actually get in front of specific songs on YouTube. So you can target like, let's say you sound like the Beatles. We were talking about the Beatles before. You can target specific songs from the Beatles if they're monetizing those videos and like serve your ads on those videos. Whereas on Facebook, you can just target fans of the Beatles, right? People aren't, they don't have an intent really while they're scrolling Instagram or Facebook to like find a Beatles video in their feed. They just like the Beatles. So Facebook just serves your ad to them. But on YouTube, people are searching for the Beatles. And you can get in front of them. So another like 25% of your ad spend towards YouTube or Google ads, you know, if it's working better than Facebook, all these are tests, right? This is just percentages we've seen. If you see that YouTube starts to work better than Facebook and Instagram, spend more on YouTube. The next level down would be your Spotify and TikTok ads. So Spotify playlisting, we usually say about like 20% of your budget, maybe 15 to 20%. 
to go towards it. A little bit of that is vanity metrics, like I was talking about, uh, because people typically do not follow you as much on Spotify because nothing really happens when you follow somebody on Spotify. Like maybe they show up in your release radar. Maybe they, there's no interaction on Spotify. So people usually just listen on there. So sending some traffic there is good. Not as much of your budget on Spotify playlisting as you would towards Instagram, Facebook ads, or YouTube ads, but still a percentage of your budget. And then your TikTok promotion, maybe testing out a, a little bit of alternative advertisements like Snapchat ads or something like that is also a good idea. Just because whenever you test things, like you, you might find a gym somewhere. Like we started running Microsoft ads probably about a year ago, something like that. And those work well for us because you can get clicks a little bit cheaper than you do on Google. Like there's not as much traffic on Microsoft, but there's clicks are, they're good click, good, you know, good people looking for good services. So having the bulk of your budget go towards Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, and then some Spotify's in there too. And then TikTok at the tail end. And then the rest of that budget, maybe there's like 20% left or something. You can test out on some other marketing to see if it, new marketing is going to work. But yeah, that's usually the breakdown we recommend for people. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. It definitely helps to kind of have a idea of like what we should budget for, like what to split it between these different platforms for YouTube ads. I'm curious. I know there are like a few different types of YouTube app to YouTube ads right now. I'm taking a course about YouTube ads. Uh, we've mostly done Facebook and Instagram. So it's something that we're kind of exploring right now. Would you recommend, I, I know that there's like pre-roll ads where it's like you click on the video to watch it and then you have a pre-roll ad and you don't have to pay for it unless like they watch 15 seconds of it or if they click on it. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Awesome. Yep. And is it like, do you recommend running those kinds of videos and like in those ads, they go to the same kind of squeeze page or would it be more like the suggested recommended videos or just like organic like discovery or what have you seen the best results with so far? Good question. So if you're running, it depends on what you're trying to do with the ad. If the, the first one is called the in-stream ads, those ones that you can skip after five seconds. If you want to get clicks to your website, it is usually better to run the in-stream ads because you can have the button right in there that will say, you know, visit site or, you know, click here or get this offer, whatever. You can put that button directly in there and you do those ads with the understanding that you want people to get off the video and go to your site. That's not to build up uh, your views mostly. Like you can use it to build up more views because those actually get views a lot easier than the discovery ads do, but you don't have any like button or subscribe button on those in-stream ads, right? It is served on the other person's channel. So if you're looking for comments or you're looking for likes or subscribers, not the best to do the in-stream ads, you can test it but it's not the best to do those. Those are best for trying to get a conversion, trying to get an email list sign up on your website or a purchase down the line on your website. You need to hook their attention within the first five seconds. So if you have a slow starting music video or something like that, it's not best for the in-stream ads. The discovery ads are good for getting those subscribers or likes or comments because those are people clicking on the, the ad and you come up with like a headline uh, for the ad and people click on it and they go to the actual watch page of the video. You still need, whichever ad you're doing, 
you still need to grab people's attention within the first five to 10 seconds. So if you even want to make a music video or like some type of offer style video or sales video, have in mind that the first five seconds are key. So if you have like a really jarring first five seconds of a video, your music video, like, yeah, you can run that for in-stream to see how it does. Maybe you chop it down to 30 seconds and have a watch the full video here as your button on the in-stream ad, or like you, you make a custom in screen for that in-stream ad and say like, watch the full video, click here and you have like an arrow going down to it. But just like think through how people are watching the video. That's one thing I can say that will be helpful is put yourself in the, the viewer's seat. Like if I were served this ad in the first five seconds, would I keep listening? Like think back through all the ads you've seen on YouTube and how many you actually stuck around for. What made you stick around? What stuck out about the ads that you actually watched all the way through? There's something that they did within the first five seconds that made you stick around. So use that psychological trick to, to get people to either click on your videos for discovery ads or keep watching and then take whatever action you want them to take. Yeah, that's super smart. Yeah, I've, I've heard that described as like the hook, right? Like the first five seconds yeah. for the, and the hook is the most important part. And that you, know, you want to make it as intentionally like you want to open a loop with it where it's like when you open a loop it's like a tv series where at the end of the episode there's like a cliffhanger and it like opens this yep. loop and it's like a hook that kind of like pulls you back in but also making sure that it's like the right hook for the right kind of person who's really going to like like you want them to kind of like to engage with it awesome cool man well hey this has been a lot of fun i feel like we've gotten to explore nfts in a way that i've like heard like little bits like here and there about it but i've never heard anyone talk about it the way that you just have with like the stock market approach and actually having your own currency it makes me more excited than ever to to be able to explore this and to see what it turns into for musicians because i think you're right that having the ability to have a tangible stamp or like an authentic source of truth could really empower a lot of musicians to have, you know, $50 million, you know, albums that they're able to, to sell to people. And it's pretty, pretty incredible. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to share the lessons that you've learned of the past, you know, what, 15, 20 years doing this. And for anyone who is watching or listening to this right now, who wants to connect more or learn more about what you offer, what would be the best place for them to go to connect more with you? You guys can head to omarimc.com or just search Omari on Google. Uh, that's O M. A-R-I-M-C.com. One cool thing that we do, because I talked about courses before, is that we give out courses whenever anybody buys promotion from us. So we have Spotify, YouTube, uh, Facebook and Instagram ads management, TikTok promotion. So anytime anybody buys anything, you can select a course that we have and there's no like upsell or anything after it. Like you can just get the full course just for buying Spotify promotion or whatever. So that's a special offer that we do, but yeah, that's how you guys can connect with us. And then when you're on the website, obviously it has all of our socials on there and our contact info and phone number and text and all that stuff. So that's how you can connect with us. Cool. Awesome, man. So, so it sounds like really what you guys offer is like done for you promotion and it's combined with free courses when someone gets it. So I, I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening or watching this right now, especially, you know, even if you are taking like, you're like, okay, I really want to learn how to run Facebook ads, or I really want to learn how to do this to be to go to the website and to look at some of the different promotion services you offer, because it'd be great to, to be able to break off, you know, Spotify promotion, if that's not something you really focus on, and be able to work with a professional who has invested a lot already to kind of figure out the best way to, to promote. Yeah. 
Absolutely, man. Cool. Well, Nathaniel, it's been a lot of fun talking with you today. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks, Michael. Pleasure to be here. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.